Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello. Welcome to the show. Brought to you with Levi Solicitors, who will do you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball on a range of services for you and your business. For your business, for example, should we start with business? Yeah, can do, yeah. Go on quick. Business services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All the business services. Commercial dispute resolution, commercial property, all that sort of stuff. Wills, probate, conveyancing, and so on and so forth. levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Uh, Rob's here as well as Michael as we talk about Bielsa owning La Bombonera. Where is the Bombonera and what does it do? It's in Buenos Aires and it's scary. So <laughs> scary, in fact, that when I was in Buenos Aires, me and some mates, we went to go see River Plate play at El Monumental and Boca weren't playing while we were there, but we wanted to go see the ground and chatting to people, local people, they were like, yeah, I probably wouldn't go there as three pasty white English tourists that kind of stand out and then uh, we looked on Google Maps because we could kind of walk to that district so we weren't too far from there and we noticed on Google Maps there was just a big red circle around that area saying do not go here it's a bit uh, it's a bit rowdy shall we say so it's the home of Boca Juniors isn't it the Bombardera the chocolate box which is what it means in English I uh, obviously with my in-depth Spanish <laughs> mm-hmm. understood that but um, Michael very, I- very very famous stadium though isn't it and, it's, and why well first of all why is it called that because it looks like one. That's it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's got the famous three sides, doesn't it? And then the other side is like the pavilion with all the boxes in it. Yeah, and the, well, a bit the, like an American stadium. Actually. And the three sides are, there are ludicrously steep as well. Yeah, but yeah. the whole thing is really—it's very vertical up on, up isn't on it? top of the pitch. Yeah, but you've been—I've been. I was so Rob. Scared. Rob was a coward. Looked at Google Maps. Oh, there's a red circle. I can't go there. But you went. I don't care. I got my I got my Stone Island on. I went swaggering <laughs> there from the centre of town. <laughs> now, I mean, admittedly, when I went, I didn't have Google Maps, so I. I wasn't warned. I was kind of aware that it was meant to be a bit dicey, but I just had a walk there from the centre of town. Why on earth have you two been swanning around in South America? Very cultured man, aren't we? No, that's the thing. That's the thing. It was ages ago as well. But yeah, I, there were people saying... Was that back before you had kids who ruined your life? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were, I remember it being said like, oh, it's a bit dodgy around there, but I seemed fine. Yeah. I, I just took the approach of not having anything worth stealing. <laughs> I thought, well, the worst they can do is get angry and murder me <laughs> in, in frustration at the fact there's nothing to steal. That wouldn't be... T- at least I'd have the last laugh, really. Well, if you, know, if, you are, um, off me. if you are listening to this, we will put on the video version. I think we'll stick this map on if we can of the uh, the exclusion zone around it. And it does say in red text at the bottom, very clearly, avoid wandering around in the red-coloured area on the map. And that is a lot of it. 
Nah, you can you can do what you want. In Buenos Aires, were you fine? I'm fine. It's fine at night at dark, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you're from Ponty Street, no street, yeah. It was it was absolutely fine. I was paid respect there. I think people could see. Yeah, <laughs> people could see not to fuck with me because I'm a local hard man. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, right. Bit rowdy then as a stadium. Safe to say. I didn't see a game there though. Right. It was uh, yeah. I did like Rob. I did go to see one at River Plate, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was. I just went for the, there's a museum and stuff. The little where it's not really a toy. You can have a bit of a wander around. Yeah. So, but it was good. And the reason why we mention it is because Bielsa has been there recently. Obviously, he's Argentinian, very much a Newell's man. Not necessarily friends with Boca when it comes down to it, but he's been in there and he's got a good record in the stadium. And most recently, he took his Uruguay side in there to beat Argentina 2-0 during the November international break. Featuring a classic Bielsa, fullback to fullback, cross and goal, which is good to see. Um, first time they've beaten Argentina and Brazil in a calendar year since, what is it, 1960, I think the stat was? There was loads of records that they broke with that win. But yeah, they've beaten Argentina and Brazil in back-to-back games, so he's working his magic. And from that, yeah, it was actually before the game, there was stories in Argentina about what a good record he actually has at Le Bonbonera. And so it's third significant win, is that right? So should we, should we hop in the DeLorean and um, and go back in time to... Uh, well, Newell, you've got your square ball Newell shirt, tribute shirt on there. Indeed, um, Rob. Um, it's awkward that he wasn't at Boca, really, because the colours would have been a far better match, wouldn't they? What blue, blue, and yellow? Yeah, because yeah, everybody always holds up the Boca kits and say Leeds kits should be like those ones because they're Adidas as well. Aren't they're they? great kits, yeah. generally speaking. But I've I've learned to embrace the. You mean we you branded mean, it Scarlet, didn't uh, we? So so Boca don't play in like orange or grey or platinum or anything like that. Just no, stick, no, they just stick to blue and, blue and yellow, and it works. Seem to do. Wow, seem to do. Anyway. Back to 1991, Rob. When you, how old were you? Uh, I was still a glint in my father's eye, I think, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you've been looking into what happened there. So this is Bielsa's first season in charge of Newell's old boys. And the league is split into two halves, so they essentially run two seasons in one year, don't they? Yeah, it's really confusing. So there's the Apertura tournament, which is the opening stage. And yeah, 20 teams in the league, they all play each other once. And there's the Clausura tournament, which again, 20 teams in the league, they all do the reverse fixtures. And Bielsa in his first season at Newell's, they won that opening tournament, which was a big deal. They've got a draw at San Lorenzo on the last day of the season and results went their way. And as I'm sure we have all seen by now, Bielsa was very excited by that result. He uh, grabbed a Newell's shirt and was lifted aloft some shoulders and was screaming Niels Carajo under a helicopter just to add to the uh, and from, atmosphere. And from there, a t-shirt for us was born, wasn't it? The Leeds Carajo Still t-shirt. available. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <Some of laughs> yeah. You said that with a certain no, amount. He's done a few t-shirts. There's the Leeds Carajo ones. There's the, the Bielsa Madman design has got yes. echoes of some of that. I was going to say, in fact, ring, actually, yeah, the, the part of him, the element of mm. him on that is from that game, isn't exactly. it? And mm. It is worth looking up the photo of that one, the original photo of the helicopter in the air. It's just got, it's got uh, an air of chaos about it. Beautiful chaos. Yes. So that result, them finishing top of uh, that opening league qualified them for like the championship playoff final, basically, which I think they did later stop uh, in subsequent years. Might have even been the year following this. So there's a first half of the season winner, second half of the season winner, and then they play off for like the overall championship. Yeah, which I guess left Newell's in quite a strange position for that second half of the season because it's kind of like, well, we've done our bit. Yeah. So they finished, uh, I think it was eighth, maybe. Yeah, they finished eighth, so 12 points behind uh, Boca Juniors, who won the second stage, which then set up this championship final. So the first leg was played in Rosario, uh, actually at Central Rosario's home ground, which is a little bit awkward. 
But yeah, it was kind of strange because both teams were without their players that had been called up to the Argentina squad for the Copa America. So Boca were, were without Batistuta, who was formerly at Newell's, and Newell's were without Fernando Gamboa. Uh, so Boca responded by signing two players on loan, whereas Bielsa obviously was like, I'm Tyler Roberts gonna... will play. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going <laughs> to stick with my squad. Um, but they actually won that home game, 1-0, uh, a header from Eduardo Barrizzo. And there are highlights on YouTube, which is worth watching, if only for the kickoff, because the ball hasn't even left the halfway line by the time there's a foul immediately <laughs> from the opening whistle, which is kind of a theme of a lot of these games. I guess you forget that it's it kind of resembles more like Chelsea Leeds in 1970 than it does any kind of Bielsa ball of the modern day, I, I guess. Mean, I watched the um, the recent Copa Libertadores final and was surprised at how kicky lumpy it was, as in kicking lumps <laughs> out of each other. There's a real... But you know what? You, you get so accustomed to like watching the Premier League and the fact that any little infraction is penalised these days, particularly any sort of physical contact and what red cards are given out for. They probably could have been down to about seven men aside <laughs> in that final. It was a bit, It was a bit tasty, yeah. For the blog, I wrote a thing about Bielsa at Chile and watching some of those games back, it is like Bielsa ball on speed. Everything's just in fast forward. It's like watching someone play FIFA or something. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So that was July the 6th. Then three days later, they get back together. And this is when they go to the Bombonera leg of the, uh, the effectively the playoff final shudder. Yeah, it's um, again, there's a lovely like two minute montage on YouTube, which is set to like some stirring emotional music as two teams just absolutely kick lumps out of each other in the mud. It's um, yeah, it's pretty feisty. There's a, a moment in the first half where Newell's won a penalty and the footage is quite grainy. There's like an alleged shirt pull on Pochettino and then the camera later pans to him like a close-up and you can see that his shirt has basically been stripped to the waist. <laughs> Again, we'll, we'll get the still of this in the in the video because it's worth adding, um, as grainy as it is, because, I mean... The shirt's in half. Yeah, that, that is, is essentially what's he's, happened. He's got a red half and a black half and you can see his, his belly button. He needs a medallion. Yes. Is what it needs <laughs> yeah. to give a full kind of, I don't know, working man's club singer <laughs> vibe to the thing. But the pitch as well in that, is terrible and the amount of shit on it is just ridiculous <laughs> yeah. like there's there's so much paper on the pitch I'm pretty sure they wouldn't play a game under these circumstances now they'd be like well obviously we've got to clear this yeah, but yeah. then they were just like ah 
it's fine. A professional athlete might slip on a bit of paper. Yeah, but it's, it, the the general picture is just of complete chaos. Yeah. So Boca. So one of the loanees actually scores the winning goal for Boca. So it's one. Of, so this is actually this is reminding me of the the playoff final that Leeds had with Charlton Athletic in 1987 when I was a mere slip of a lad because we lost one nil to Charlton, beat them one nil back at home, and then we famously went to the the playoff final in Birmingham and we're in front thanks to the Sheridan free kick but lost two goals from Peter Shirtliff so no Shirtliff in this and no third uh, third game it's settled on the day on penalties yeah it goes to penalties and the hero for Newell's is Norberto Scoponi the long head goalkeeper who saves a couple of penalties and the decisive penalty like smashes against the bar I'm not sure if he actually gets hands to that one uh, but yeah Newell's win 3-1 which is a rare Bielsa joyous story of a penalty victory because he tends to lose lose his shootouts as he did uh, the following year in the Libertadores final with Newell's which was kind of leaving them on a, a really like tragic heartbreaking defeat yeah it's, it's quite on brand isn't it you can see why he, he definitely fit at Leeds because it's something we've learned <laughs> across the years so then we'll jump from 91 to 98 and this time he's at Velez Sarsfield yeah so it's kind of this is kind of like the forgotten Bielsa period it feels like he, he left Newell's and he went to work in Mexico for a four years and then he ended up uh, back in Argentina with Velez who are based in Buenos Aires uh, and there's kind of a cruel irony to it in that he was offered that job when he left Newell's uh, I think he turned it down and they ended up winning uh, the Libertadores final they beat Sao Paulo who beat Bielsa's Newell's and Velez won on penalties as well so it's kind of like the, the glory that Bielsa could have had it's kind of again a typical Bielsa story but yeah Velez were really strong at, at the time and the league is still split into two uh, two stages, but there's no championship game. So they still put a lot of value on finishing top of like half of the season, as you saw when Bielsa's like screaming under a helicopter. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the first, the opening stage of the season for Les didn't do great. They were really strong at the time, but it was that typical Bielsa thing of he came in, they had a lot of senior players and I think they were all a bit like, oh, why are you making us run around so much? This is really <laughs> difficult. Like, can't you just let us do what you want? But then in the second half of that season, that second stage, they were on fire and smashed it. And one of their early wins uh, was at La Bombonera. It was a 3-2 win. Uh, and yeah, that's when they're fully in the groove by this point. Their second goal, so it was, yeah, 3-2 to Vélez. And their second goal is like proper Bielsa ball, just building up from the back. But then the finish, it's like proper Phil Massinger. Phil Massinger like Rick- at Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, just ricochets off the goalkeeper and into the net. Um, but yeah, it was a 3-2 win, it was 2-all. And then in the 88th minute, Vélez got a penalty. And because this is South America, Bielsa was like, they had Jose Luis Chilever in goal. He's like, cool, ah. you're going to take the penalty, mate. Uh, I think the first ever, first ever knew of him was on the, the sort of Nick Hancock videos and stuff where people like this would appear because pre-internet, it'd be like a legendary thing. He'd be like, Wow goalkeeper taking penalties yeah. but he yeah, did it all the time didn't he he was quite good at him as well yeah really good and Chilever, like it's interesting because he was one of the senior players that really kind of didn't get on with Bielsa I think there was a training session where Bielsa was like if you don't want a beer you can just fuck off and Chilever <laughs> just walked off and uh, I think he was the captain but then Bielsa appointed someone else but then um, they kind of earned each other's respect and Bielsa got him to shed a few kilos and then he was kind of like one of the heroes in the second half of that season and how do you go and celebrate after winning trophies and winning in the Bombonera? Well, do you have a few glasses of wine? Maybe at a wedding? So this is a story of his winger, Martin Posse, should we say it? Posse? I don't know how you'd go with this. What's your Posse? I've used this a lot recently. So he, this guy is now a manager. He's managing in the Kings League, which is the weird uh, tournament that Pablo Hernandez is playing in. 
and this winger Martin Posse. He was later signed by Bielsa for Espanyol and was involved in this ludicrous friendly with Juventus, which I've written about on the blog. But yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it must be after this game. He's saying he he got married. Uh, I remember the day of my wedding. The ceremony ceremony took place a few hours after we had played a match against Boca Juniors. Marcelo Bielsa turned up at the ceremony, which is a very, I feel like it's a very un like thing to do, but then... In a tracksuit, I imagine. Yeah, yes, stood at the back with his arms folded behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> and under his arm, he brought with him a video of their match against Boca for Posse to study and study his performance <laughs> and see what he'd done well and what he'd not done well. That's amazing. What a guy. Uh, and then we go to 2001, some years uh, hence. So 10 years after the first incident, and we're back with, uh, with Argentina then, are we? So yeah, so this is after Bielsa had been in Espanyol for about a month and then was like, right, I'm off to take the Argentina job and was doing a really good job. They had a perfect record in qualifying at the time and then they rock up at La Bombonera in 2001 and Bielsa is jeered by the fans because he's not picking Juan Roman Raquelme, the Boca Juniors hero, as his number 10. Uh, and Raquelme that day is playing for like a rest of the world All-Stars 11 because it's a testimonial game for Diego Maradona. So he's wearing the number 10 shirt for Argentina that day. And bearing in mind, he's 41 years old by this point and has been retired for four years. Describe his shape. Uh, he's kind of as wide as he is tall. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's not as bad as it sometimes was. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's things he actually, you know, there are quotes from him at the time about how hard he's worked to shed a few pounds because he's desperate to like play in this game and look semi-decent. But um, apparently he'd had knee surgery leading up to this, but I think it might have been some other lifestyle choices, perhaps. Mm. A lifestyle choices. <laughs> there's some um, there's some fun quotes actually surrounding this, which we've got on the sheet. If somebody wants to uh, imitate Diego Maradona, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the ball outside the area and not being able to shoot is like dancing with your sister. Mm. You see, I started with nothing. The only thing I was given were two feet from God that I could and his hand, um, two feet from God that I could put a ball wherever I wanted. Even then, he also gave me some addictions and stupidity. But I worked hard all my life for this. Those who say I don't deserve anything that it all came easy, can kiss my ass. Those go. are my words about this podcast. Um, <laughs> never, we'll get on to Maradona now, and so on and so forth. Down to be the sister, though. Should have got the move to Burnley. Yes. Perfectly <laughs> just, fine. Just for the record, don't have a sister. Anyway, to the game. So yeah, it's, it's, as, um, it's as mental as you'd expect, really, for Maradona's farewell and send-off. It is all about him. Uh, quite rightly, I guess. An Argentina win, 6-3. And there is a compilation of Maradona's highlights that day. And part of it, you look at and go, he's still got it, you know? <laughs> like some of his touches in midfield where he's just pulling the strings. He's still really good. I, I feel that way about Eddie Gray. Now I reckon if you if you oh, put yeah. Eddie Gray out on a field, you'd you'd go, wow, still. I think he'd be in better shape now, though, than Maradona was even oh, back then. Eddie, easily. But yeah, you can tell nobody's really taking it that seriously when like Raquel Mace just giving him the ball in the penalty area and things like that. And... Eric Cantona weirdly makes an appearance as a substitute and Rene Higuita also comes on for the rest of the World Eleven. and by this point they're kind of just deliberately giving Argentina penalties and Higuita's chatting to Maradona I think they're sort of trying to make it look like they're psyching each other out but I think Higuita's saying can you just put it in that corner and I'll, <laughs> I'll dive the other way and um, Maradona later returns the favour by setting Higuita up for a scorpion kick which is very nice <laughs> It's what you want to see isn't it in an exhibition game like this because like, it's sort of frustrating sometimes if you go to like a, a friend of their testimonial like this that they're not taking it all that seriously. But then if you're going to do it, do it properly like this. Just um, make it almost like a bit of performance art. I think Luke, Luke has got a penalty. It is testimonial, didn't he? Surprise, yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> you can't. 
you've really got to make sure you don't save those, haven't you? I mean, when we get into costume changes as well, you know that it's pure theatre because he's got so he's got his first <laughs> yeah. penalty. He takes his Argentina shirt off and he's got a Boca Juniors shirt on underneath, and he plays the rest of the game in the Boca shirt. Yeah, he's really playing <laughs> to the crowd by that point. But it, it strikes me as the kind of occasion that Bielsa would sort of hate, and you'd really don't see much of him on the coverage. But there is a little glimpse of him. And he does look to be really enjoying it, albeit he does look completely sort of wired and frayed as if just a week in the orbit of Diego Maradona has sort of taken its toll on him. Probably, the thing is with these games, there's often a lineup announced and then people drop out and come in. He's mm. probably frustrated because he maybe didn't know Cantona was playing and he's not done the video <laughs> yeah. research on him. He's not. He'd, he would have gone back and had a look at the, his charity shield appearance to, to you know check what he should have been doing to combat him. So it'll have, it'll have really cut to him, his, his lack of professionalism on this. Uh, in terms of professionalism and keeping a stony face, Bielsa always tries to maintain that facade, doesn't he? But um, there's kind of a, a smile almost breaks out on his face when Argentina concede a penalty and then he get, uh, he steps up to take it. You can see that he knows, doesn't he? You know, just with, with reference to like Bielsa getting jeered in the stadium for not picking Raquel May, Maradona didn't either. Yeah, Maradona made a, a massive fuss of Raquel May at the start of the game. He like lifts him up and gives him this massive hug. But I think when Maradona was manager, they actually had a really frayed relationship themselves and he kind of, left Raquel May in an international exile for some point. So I'm, I look back and think, oh, we all been mean to Bielsa for, like, fuck her <laughs> off. <laughs> and also, what on earth were they giving Maradona the manager's job for? Well, I mean, you can you can see why in terms of national hero, football genius and all that. But we wouldn't give it to Gaza, would we? No. Because you, you'd sort of think, well... Maybe we should. Yeah, but I don't think we've ever embraced kind of genius in the same way. The idea of flawed genius. Give it to, to Gaza and Matt Latissier. Makes you think, doesn't it? <laughs> if you want someone thinking outside of the box, two people who think outside of the box. Very much so, yeah. Uh, after this game, then, so the Argentine uh, Argentine FA say that they're going to retire the number 10 shirt in honour of Maradona. FIFA go, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, FIFA, like, sorry, you can't do that. No, it's, um, it's against so, yeah. the rules. So are we counting this one, last one as a proper Bielsa triumph then in the Bombonera? It was more just a very, it's part of his rich history at the ground, <laughs> I would say. Well, in terms of the history of the grounds, this is kind of the the strange postscript to this one is that La Bombonera could soon be no more because I think it's probably showing its age. Like you say, the 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 rake of the stands is probably not particularly safe. Redevelopment has been mooted for some time, but it, it seems like from what I did a bit of research on this last night, that a new build seems more likely and there are several designs being proposed. And I think this all feeds back into potential presidential candidates who say, well, I will deliver you this. I'll deliver you this. Um, so there's one that's on the waterfront, a little bit like, uh, it's on, on a little bit of a headland, kind of a dock, a little bit like um, Everton are proposing, which looks pretty cool. But it's just, it's almost a little bit generic bowly, like we've seen these stadiums before. The one that really caught my eye could potentially be described as batshit mental. The brainchild of a guy called Andres Ibarra, who's one of the presidential candidates for Boca. And it's a new stadium, a few hundred yards just across the way from... La Bombonera and the design that the architecture on the outside of it is very reminiscent of the old stadium kind of with the blue and yellow stripes around it and the, the columns all look very very similar 105,000 fans this new one would hold which would be amazing but it would be linked back to the old Bombonera via this elevated walkway and the old one would then act as overspill for a 105,000 seater stadium so if you couldn't get into the proper ground to watch the game you'd go to the old Bombonera and they would take out the um, the side that's got the pavilion and all the boxes on it, and they're going to put up a giant screen they're proposing, or this guy's saying. So you've then got another three sides that could just sit in there and watch the game on a big screen. If you can't get in the main stadium, you go to the overspill stadium. So you've essentially got two stadiums functioning as one. 
with an overspill capacity in total of 150,000. Ridiculous. If um, if they extended that walkway, Rob, to the city centre, would you be willing to go there? <laughs> <laughs> as long as they, they, you got a police escort. Sorry, a tourist badge. <laughs> across there, the whole thing. They're not going to do that, are they? You've got the picture on the prep sheet here and... It's insane. You can't have two. You can't have two stadiums next to each other. It does look like something's like been built by accident on Sims or something. Mm. And if they do build a new one, we know that Bielsa can go in there and own that one as well. There you go. The Bielsa owning Bombonera TSB guide. We'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.